Power authentically can come to somebody when they are actually standing within their own belief in who they are deep within. So what that means is that like, again, goes back to the comments we've already made. Like, you're just not always going to be liked. And it doesn't mean you have to be an asshole to people. It just means that people aren't going to always see eye to eye with you, whether it's your wife, whether it's your kids, whether it's your friends, whether it's uh, an acquaintance, whoever it is, they're not always going to see eye to eye to you. And that power, when you're sitting in that authentic space of power, that's when people may not like you, but they respect you. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Could you potentially be sitting on a reservoir of shame or guilt or regret? Do you tend to resist changing to meet the demands of the world around you? Do you feel deeply connected to your authentic power in all domains of life? Well, in this episode, my guest is Johnny L. Sasser, and he and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. Johnny L. Sasser is a repeat guest on Men This Way, back to talk about his new book titled Design the Man Within. And from the first moment I met Johnny at a mutual friend's birthday party last year, I've since always enjoyed being in his presence and I always love talking with Johnny. Johnny's a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger with four combat tours between Iraq and Afghanistan and another five years protecting the U.S. Ambassador to Iraq in Baghdad. Johnny has seen the field of masculinity through extreme alpha perspectives and knows the trials and tribulations the toughest men deal with day to day. And today, in addition to coaching men, he's also the host of the podcast, The Art of Masculinity. Now, before we dive in, if you're a man who's struggling with an intimate relationship, maybe your partner isn't happy and you don't know why, or your sex life sucks or is non-existent, or maybe your partner wants things from you that you either don't understand what she wants or you just don't know how to give, like more connection, more vulnerability, more presence, or more safety. Well, you need to know about my new Elevate Your Relationship live coaching program for men. It's a six-month live coaching experience, which means you get to work with me personally, and it's specifically for men who are wanting to show up more powerfully, be more present, practice more skillful communication, and create more passionate connection with their partner. In other words, it's for men who simply want greater fulfillment in their relationships and who want that for their partners too. In this live six-month coaching experience, you will learn how to better navigate conflict, to even use your differences and disagreements to not create chaos or stagnation, but turn your differences into passionate connection. You'll learn how to create and maintain healthy boundaries, how to stand in your power, and in ways that won't turn her off, but rather draw her towards you, if she wants that. We'll dive into how to be your full, authentic self in the relationship, how to create emotional connection, how to practice the sacred art of masculine-feminine intimacy for deeper passion, and more. 
If Elevate Your Relationship sounds like it might be a good fit for you and you'd like to be considered for this, go to brianreeves.com slash E-Y-R. It's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash E-Y-R, and fill out the application there. If it does seem like we're a good fit, you'll be invited to schedule a no-cost, no-pressure phone consultation to explore if Elevate Your Relationship is a good fit for you. And I mean that. I don't do pressure sales. I hate it when people do it to me. I will never do that to you. Again, the website is brianreeves.com slash E-Y-R, Brian with a Y. And if you're in a relationship and you're struggling, don't delay. Go to that link, fill out the application. It is your birthright to thrive in relationship, and I'm committed to helping you do that. Now, back to my conversation with Johnny L. Sasser. If you want to share any feedback or share what this conversation inspires in you, please feel free to email me directly at brian at brianreeves.com. Remember, it's brian with a Y at brianreeves.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Now, take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Johnny. El Sasser, welcome back to Men This Way, man. It's a pleasure to have you. Always good to see you. Dude, brother, uh, really just grateful to have friends like you in my life and also grateful that you're allowing me to come back on and, and share with your community. So um grateful for that and appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man. Uh L L Sasser. Does that is like is that like L like the Sasser? Is the Sasser mean something? <laughs> So no, uh, <laughs> it's okay. actually, it's, it's German and it's pronounced, uh, uh, what I've been told, but when I used to protect the U S ambassador, his wife, Gudrun was German uh, and one of the ambassadors and she was like, Oh, that's Alsace. And I was like, wow, oh. you say it El Sasser. She's like, no, it's Alsace. So it's from, it's actually German. Uh, um, but if you ask all my buddies from Ranger battalion, uh, I was in a squad and our whole squad was entirely made up of uh, Hispanics. And so uh, they called yeah. me the Sasser. <laughs> the Sasser. So if, you ask, if you ask them, it's L Sasser, the Sasser. And if you <laughs> go yeah. to Germany, well, it's all Sasser. So. That's why, well, that's why I asked. Cause I have, I have Spanish uh, roots. My grandmother came by way of Puerto Rico and uh, my dad, so my dad yeah. and Spain. And I don't know, you know, just L Sasser. <laughs> I'm like, well, what is a Sasser? It's you. <laughs> it is you. You are L Sasser. The sasser. <laughs> the sasser. Yep. I'm the sasser. Okay. I sass all the time. Well, um, man, I'm really excited uh, for our conversation today. You, you've got a, a book coming out called Design the Man Within. And Johnny, I know um, it is no small feat to have a book coming out. You've done some difficult things in your life. There's got to yeah. be up there amongst them writing a book. Um, yeah. how, how are you feeling, man? Are you excited? Are you in the midst of the chaos of the promotion? How, how's your family doing with all this? Like what's going on for you right now? My wife is more excited than I am. Um, she's incredibly excited for the book. <laughs> uh, I am in chaos mode as, as uh, you are well aware of. Uh, uh, and then I have this like Steven Pressfield kind of feeling. I, I listened to a few podcasts with Steven Pressfield recently yeah. and he's, you know, you probably read this to him as well. The war of and art. He, yeah, but he's he's uh, he's like, yeah, every time I put a book out, I'm like, man, is anybody going to buy this? And course, like it. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. like, Stephen Pressfield, bro, you write amazing yeah. books. Yeah. I've read quite a few of yours. Yeah. But even somebody as advanced as him still has that feeling. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not crazy because I'm, you know, when you write, you know this, you, you like all of this comes up and then you put it all out there. 
And then you revisit it and you revisit it and you revisit it. And you're like, man, is this going to be impactful for anybody now? Like, I don't even know. Like, is anybody going to like this? Is is everybody just going to pick this apart? Am I wrong? Like all these questions, right? Oh, uh, dude, so. I know. And, and the thing is in this day and age, you know, you put a book out, you look at one of the measurements we authors and creators tend to look at is, okay, well, how many reviews and what are, what do the reviews say? You know I mean? Look, yeah. we, we learn quickly not to, not to take seriously neither the the detractors nor the nor the avid supporters either i think that's a healthy yeah. you know the people who sing your praises thank you and let it go because you know let me not put myself on a pedestal but also the detractors it's also like yeah. well, okay thank you and let that go too you know yeah. the the fuck yous that this sucks that we're gonna get those right yeah but what i've found um is this your first book johnny yeah yeah it'll be my first one so can I, can I just pass some, some, as Dude, far as I'm the all, review? I'm all about it. Yeah. Okay. Give me the wisdom, bro. Oh, give okay. me the wisdom, bro. <laughs> Look, the, I'd say, man, if you, if your book is set, let's say 65 to 70%, like four and five stars and only, you know, less than 10%, one and two stars, you have succeeded as okay. an author in the sense that you're, it's a viable, it's a, it's a great product because there's always going to be those people who say, this is the worst thing I've ever read. Mm, steal, yeah. your, steal yourself for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to okay. happen, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to, I've gotten some reviews on my book, Choose Your Everyday or Lever. I've gotten, you know, amazing, glowing five-star reviews. And then there's the, then there's the, the handful of reviews that are like, you know, what is this drivel? This is so stupid. <laughs> this is rooted in the 1950s, whatever, their own interpretations of things like. Sure. So just, it's a roller coaster ride, man, but I'm, congratulations. It's a big deal. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Yeah. It's, it's one thing like, you know, back when I was doing protection and back when I was in special operations, for me, it's been very easy in my life to go put my body out there to do really hard mm. things and, mm. you know, sacrifice and potentially lose out really big. Right. Like that, yeah. that's easy for me, but then to <laughs> yeah. like intellectually put mm. something out there and expose yeah. what's internally in your mind. Right, it's like, right. that feels very different. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's vulnerable in a whole other way. For sure, man. It's yeah. wild. Very wild. But thank you. Yeah, this is, it's been fun and um, just excited, man. And a uh, little nervous, all, all kind of compiled yeah. in there. Oh, that's it. That it's all, it's all there, man. The whole experience. Well, again, yeah. I'm, ex I'm excited for you and, and let's dive in a bit to, to the, the, the subject and, and topic, uh, which your book brings up. And, I, and here's where I want to start. Your, your book is titled design the man within, which, uh, clearly suggests the image of a blueprint of sorts. Mm -hmm. And I like to think overly simplistically that we all kind of have two blueprints that we tend to be working with. One is the blueprint that we inherited from culture, fathers, uncles, you know, there's the, the, we, many of us are just living out an old blueprint. It's not even ours. It was mm -hmm. handed to us and we're living yeah. it out unconsciously. And then as we begin to discover, you know, as we, as we grow and mature and begin to discover that we can create one for ourselves, there's a whole new blueprint becomes possible, comes online. And I think that's what your book is really speaking to a, a new blueprint that men can begin to step into. Um, but, but what I want to start is take us into the blueprint that you inherited, 
Yeah. Right. As a young boy, which as again, as I said, I, I think would have been given to you by your father, uncles, brothers, maybe your mother and and other women uh, in the world around you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question. And, um, you want me to take you through my personal blueprint or are you talking your about personal. general? Yeah. No, my your personal? personal. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up a, a very blue collar kid and, um, you know, my uncle is my godfather. He was actually my biggest influence. So, um, as far as like looking up to a man uh, as a role model and a lot of mine was built around like working hard, uh, you know, not, complaining about anything, being respectful to women, being, you know, having humor, also being able to defend yourself um, and really being raised in that fashion and also having, you know, thinking that money's always tough to come across. Like that was a blueprint I was handed that it, it was going to be, you had to work hard for it and it went fast and you weren't going to have a lot at the end of the month. So you had to work hard again. So there was a lot of kind of different blueprints that I thought were good. And then some of the things that weren't necessarily great for as you get uh, to become an adult and you're like, oh, did I just put this ceiling on myself that shouldn't mm -hmm. have been there? Mm -hmm. um, so that was just a few of the pieces, but that was kind of where I started. And that was because the fact that if I didn't have my uncle, I probably would have had a whole different blueprint, which my, my dad mm -hmm. was not a terrible dude but he wasn't great and he wasn't a great dad and then come to find out it was kind of a you know cheated on my mom was kind of a womanizer in some mm -hmm. other aspects but he still had some of the pedigree that my uncle mm -hmm. gave me which my dad also worked hard he was a mechanic mm -hmm. and he worked out of his garage and he also worked at at a toyota so it was um there was some of that but i got uh, i got a blueprint given to me and i was very fortunate from a, a man who seemed to be very healthy in his own masculinity mm -hmm. he wasn't abundant in the material things in, in mm -hmm. the world but he knew who he was he was confident in that and he tried to impart that wisdom upon us but he went through a lot of mistakes and i was fortunate enough that he also shared a lot of those mistakes as i got older and we started to chat more and i started to understand mm -hmm. more he started to share that with me so i was fortunate of getting handed a blueprint i thought was actually actually relatively pretty good to start out with. I can't mm. say everybody's mm -hmm. that fortunate and I wouldn't think that most people are, but I still had to take that blueprint and evaluate it. I yeah. still had to say like what serves me and what doesn't serve me. Yeah. And that's where the real trick happens later on in life. But as I started, um, I tended to be very much that same person that my uncle was where I would, I would defend people who couldn't defend themselves. I would, uh, I would do, hard work and not complain about it. I would put in extra time for sports to be better at them because I just knew that I had to do that. So a lot of those things kind of came naturally to me being on that scale of blueprint for a man in this world or for a boy in this world mm. to be, to, to be successful in those environments. It, one of the things that stood out for me in your intro Adduction where you share, or maybe it was your first chapter where you share about your blueprint. You said something also that, um, well, what you said was, I was taught also to never back down because yeah. if I, and if I did back down, I'd get it harder from the adults yeah. than the person, than the boy that I was otherwise would otherwise be backing down from. For sure. And, now, that really stood out for me in an interesting way because I, I didn't really have that experience only because I didn't have a father, certainly didn't have a strong father. Well, I didn't have a father at all for you know mo most of the, the, up until I was around 10. And then the father that came into my life at that time was wonderful, beautiful heart, 
incredibly dysfunctional as an adult, uh, in addiction mm. and, and checked out and just in his own trip for, for many, many years. So I felt very alone, but I think a lot of the men listening will be able to relate to like one of those two extremes. They either had adults that they feared at home, especially boys that we were then, you know, go out in the world and don't back down. Don't be a pussy. Uh, mm -hmm. boy, boy, one guy tells a story of how his father made him go fight some other boys when he's like 10 mm -hmm. and he's trembling and terrified. And his father took him into the street to these other boys and said, I've arranged for you to fight, you know, Jesse. And, yeah. and this guy, he's, he was a guest on my podcast. His name is Dennis. He was trembling, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, dad. <laughs> you know? And so yeah. uh, it's interesting. I didn't have that experience, but yet I could still viscerally relate to the, f the fearing the adults at home. Yeah. Yeah. You were going to get, you were either, uh, you were going to get it worse from them either verbally or expectation wise, or, you know, you were going to get called out to mm -hmm. not be a, a little bitch or whatever yeah. it was, or boys don't do that. Men don't yeah. do that. Like you got all this kind of more verbal and emotional turmoil. And then sometimes it, it could have been physical for some kids. Right. And that was where, for me, it was like, I would rather go fight the kid on the playground than go back to that and be judged <laughs> for that. Like, I was like, yeah, I'll freaking get my ass kicked or whatever. Oh, or hope that I win. But that, that to me, because I think part of that too, when you have respect for a role model or a mentor, um, at least for me, it was, it's worse to let somebody down and to feel their disappointment when I mm -hmm. respect them. For me, that actually paid a lot more dividends. I didn't talk about that in my book, but that paid a lot more dividends than me getting my ass kicked or getting a couple punches in the face. And then I was punching somebody else in the face. Like that mm. was easy. But like to, to the disappointment <laughs> of like my uncle, if he was like disappointed because I ran away mm. and didn't stand mm. up, but dude, mm. I would have been crushed. Like that was yeah. not. And I knew that when I was a kid. Yeah. So that's kind of part of what I also meant by you get it worse. And look, man, I know there's a place for this. We, we do have to learn to not back down from, from many of our challenges. I, th I think, so in the work that I'm doing these days, uh, in the men's work that, that with the men that I'm working with in my men's various men's groups, I'm, I'm, we're playing with power. A lot of what the mm -hmm. work we're doing is around power. You, you say this in, again, I think it might be in your introduction. This is a quote from your book. The false alpha, alphas, the false alphas believe they rule and the untrained believe they are experts. Good men sit quietly because they have not found their source of power within yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, uh, a really important line, a really important sentence. The false alpha, alphas, I mean, the men who grow up believing that, that uh, my muscles are my power. Yeah. And that is how I will rule. And I mean, we see that even in politics, it's maybe not physical muscles, but the muscles of my mouth, you know, my ability to say the meanest, nastiest, most aggressive things is how I will mm -hmm. dominate. We all see through it. I mean, we all, I mean, many of us, I think who are doing any kind of introspective work, see through that on some level, yeah. but we have this like, like good men sit quietly because they haven't found their source of power within yet. So question for you. Yeah. What do you see are the challenges that, that, you know, quote unquote, good men face when it comes to connecting with a source of inner power? I think in today's age, part of that is accepting the fact in like we talked about with the book, you're not going to be loved by everybody. And in mm -hmm. fact, you're going to be ridiculed 
mm-hmm. you're going to be ridiculed by a very small amount of people, but they're going to have bullhorns. And mm-hmm. so I think for a lot of that mm-hmm. is, you know, to find that power, whatever it is, like you're not going to be loved by everybody. You're not going to mm-hmm. be liked by everybody. Mm-hmm. You're going to, but you get to hold your authenticity. And when you hold that authenticity and power within yourself, you can respectfully do the things that good men need to do to show the world they exist and take the flack that they're supposed to take, right? Like, or the, the flack that they're going to take. And it reminds me of the dark night. And I actually put the quote in the book. I can't remember what chapter I put it at the head of the chapter. But it was um, it was talking about how the Dark Knight uh, Batman with Christian Bale, he says that, you know, or no, sorry, uh, Commissioner Gordon, when Mm. Batman runs away and the kid Mm. asks him, like, why is he why is he running, dad? And he's like, because he has to, because Mm. the fact that uh, he's he's not what the world wants, but he's what the world needs. Mm. And so he had to play the bad guy, right? He mm-hmm. was perceived as the bad guy. And I think good men have to be able to take mm-hmm. that role on mm-hmm. because the fact that society may try to cause them to be outcasts, at least the minority with the bullhorns will, but the majority is going to love them for what they do because they're showing the world that there's a different caliber of man. And those good men have to keep the the false alphas they have to keep the un the unaware and the untrained at bay because if they have the opportunity to influence the next generation their power is going to grow and the next generation is going to be left adrift and we're going to cease to have a world of strong good powerful men and so i think the issue that we have with that that in today's age is they they are going to be stepping into a battlefield whether it's intellectually or physically like whatever but there's a little there's a lot of different ways it looks nowadays they have to be willing to still step into that battlefield and say hey man like i know who i am what you say is not going to shake me and that's okay and also the fact that you know taking those arrows and just being like cool I'm just going to let this bounce off me because you're not going to hurt my stance. And I know that when I'm in, when I'm in my power, like there's nothing you're going to do to topple that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think they they have to step into, but I, that's the challenge I think they're going to be facing moving forward in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could spend the rest of this podcast talking about power <laughs> because yeah. it's such a, a rich and deep subject, you know, how do men step into I, I like to use the term. It's a bit vague and ambiguous, but but authentic power. I mean, we could just talk about that for yeah. forty five minutes. What what the hell is that? Yeah. Um, but I think of of um, you know my my f- focus of expertise on men's issues is generally an intimate relationship, and sure. I think so. You know, taking what you just said, even in our relationships, I mean, men, we've got to be willing to not be liked at times by our partner. Absolutely. You know, we've got to be willing to get that one star review from our partner <laughs> on sure. a Tuesday. I, I trust me. My wife's giving me <laughs> one star reviews certain days and, and like, that's all right. As long yeah. as we're getting 70 to 80% five stars yeah. from our wife, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. It applies. So good. Yeah. It's, that's, so good. you know, but uh, for a long time, I wasn't able to accept yeah. the one star. I would battle the one star or I would hide from my power, disconnect from my power, which, which one of the ways I relate to that is, is from my desire. What am Mm -hmm. I clear about what I want? I think the the nice guy goes, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think the nice guy, um, actually uh, Carl Jung has a beautiful statement about this. I'll paraphrase, but, but he says when, when 
when we make everything about power, love goes into the shadow. And when mm. we make everything about love, power goes into the shadow. Yeah. And I think the nice guy makes everything about love. And so his power goes into the shadow. Whereas the, the false alpha, we could say, makes everything about power and love goes into the shadow. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, <clears throat> maybe using that as a, as a frame potentially or something along those lines, like how would you describe Johnny, the experience and expression of a man who is connected to that inner source of power that is not merely, you know, the, the, the nice guy pretending he does, has no desires and disconnected from his power, but nor the false alpha who just uses his strength of, of muscle to, to get power yeah. over everybody. Like, yeah. what does that look like a man connected to yeah. this kind of power? It's a great question. Cause you can also take power back to like kind of the start of society. And a lot of people are going to paint it in a bad picture because the fact that it's been abused so frequently mm -hmm. in society mm -hmm. by predominantly men, because it was a patriarchal structure. And, and you look at some of the social studies that have been done on on masculinity and you look at like Raywin Connell and she addresses what she's created termed what's called hegemonic masculinity. And part of the features of hegemony is the fact or hegemonic masculinity was that it, power was one of those and power was then associated with oppression. And, um, that is also a negative tool to power, right? So if people go down that road, power then kind of automatically gets a negative connotation. Right. And mm -hmm. so I think for to your question, the authenticity part of that is what becomes a key indicator for me um, is that power authentically can come to somebody when they are actually standing within their own belief in who they are deep within. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that, like, again, goes back to the comments we've already made, like you're just not always going to be liked. And it doesn't mean you have to be an asshole to people. It just means that people aren't going to always see eye to eye with you, whether it's your wife, whether it's your kids, whether it's your friends, whether it's uh, an acquaintance, whoever it is, they're not always going to see eye to eye to you. And that power, when you're sitting in that authentic space of power, that's when people may not like you, but they respect you, mm -hmm. right? And I think the power where somebody's standing in so much power and then abusing it and it's inauthentic, they're just doing it to wield it over people, which is what I believe the false alpha does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Power um, over. Yeah. Power over. Mm -hmm. When people see that, there's a lack of respect. And that yeah. to me is also a key indicator. There's no respect for that person. That's the person that's getting talked about behind their back because mm -hmm. people might be scared of them in person but they have no respect for them. So behind their back, they just talk crap about them. Yeah. And that to me is another key indicator for it is that, that, that respect value. So when you're standing in that, it doesn't have to look the same either. That's the thing. It never has to look your, your authenticity and power as a man, as Brian is very different or could be very different from mine. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we're not conflicting with one another because I think that's also one of the things is that when a man or even a woman, but when somebody is standing in their authentic power, they're not needing to also like one up people in conversations yeah. or yeah. show how great they are. They yeah. are allowing, they're allowing themselves to be seen in their own, in their own energy. And they're allowing other people to be seen in their own energy and equally their power is just as important. Right. Yeah. And so they don't get, 
I would say for a lack of better term is they don't feel inferior when there's another powerful, authentically powerful person around. Right. And they'll never let in somebody who's inauthentic that will never shake their foundation because they're not scared of that. Right. You know, so that's, if you were to ask me that question, that's, that would be my response. And I think that that kind of sums up like that different connection that we can make between like just power or like you called it the overpower or the under the uh power with you call it i like it power Power with with. yeah 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 power Power, with power with like we're powerful together me being powerful doesn't mean you have to be less powerful so that i can feel my power (laughs) no i get to yeah i'm and and i i like how you uh you you call it an inner source of power because that that then allows for everyone has an inner source of power. And when I'm connected to mine, that that's no threat to you and yours, nor is when you're connected to your inner power, is that a threat to mine? In fact, I think I stand for, again, I like, I love this distinction, power over versus power with. I you love know, that. It's a, it's a profound uh, distinction because I, in power with, yeah, I look at that again, even relationship with my wife. I, I don't want to have power over her. I mean, look, no. sexy role play, not, you know, aside, but in the general <laughs> functioning of our lives, like I want to be powerful with her. I want her power to, you know, paired with my power. What a, that's what they call power couples. <laughs> yeah, I want to be a power absolutely. couple, right? Absolutely. We're powerful together, not one over the other. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, I'll say one more thing is that that's actually a really beautiful distinction on why I think a lot of men today have a hard time with women because we're seeing women step into their power, you know, Mm -hmm. and be, you know, for lack of a better term, like boss babes, right? Like they're owning their own businesses. They're doing that. And then men feel inferior and it's hard for them to have healthy relationships if their spouse is doing that, or if they're going out on dates with people like that, because the fact that they aren't standing in their authentic yeah. or they're they're with their power right so, yeah yeah well I- even as you're sharing that I'm, I'm reminded of my wife went on a lot of dates with men and she lived in los angeles is a beautiful woman she was an actress and a model and so she, so physically men were immediately very drawn to her and they always led with this I'll just say this sort of false power by which I mean, they led with their, their achievements. They led with what they had done, what they had accomplished in the world with their power. And it was never interesting to her. If anything, it was a, it it sort of betrayed the fragility Mm. that they actually carried, that they had to lead with their, their money or their successes rather than just be a human in front of them. And my wife, she just was never, it just, it never, it always turned her off. Yeah. And, and yet yeah. most men, that's what they led with. So, yeah, that makes sense. all right, switching subjects a little bit here. Um, coming back to, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're still on the subject of power. I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll ask this next question and see where, <laughs> see how you want to want to take it. But the question is, um, in what ways do you see men r- like routinely sabotaging themselves? You're writing a book, Design the Man Within. In what ways are men sabotaging themselves so that they're not really designing anything. They're just, they're, they're not, they're not thriving. Let's just say. Um, what my personal opinion to this is, is that I see men sabotaging with the fact that they say either they're too old to learn or Mm. they're too old to change Mm. or they are the way they are. Mm. Right. Or the, the old ways are the ways to do it. Right. That's the right way. Um, I've heard terms like traditional masculinity, which I've, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. discredited a lot. 
Mm-hmm. I've heard those terms, but I think guys being obstinate for, for, if I were to sum this up, being mm-hmm. obstinate and fixed is what leads to the current challenges that I see with men mm-hmm. because they're unwilling to take on the new environment that we're in. And like, this is where <laughs> I've gotten in numerous conversations with guys about this. And some people will be like, okay, so what do you mean? Like you're supposed to, like men are supposed to be wavering and just change with their environment. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just, let's just talk about this for a second. Mm -hmm. If you, a 50 trillion cell organism, you're not just one, you're 50 trillion Mm -hmm. individual cells. If you did not change to your environments, you would not exist. Mm -hmm. So if we don't adapt Mm -hmm. and evolve with the changes within society, now it doesn't mean we need to let society emasculate us. Absolutely not. But we do have to take a look at the environment and say, okay, if we hold to our authentic masculinity, the version that we believe is strong and a powerful man, and use that man to adapt to the society, have we actually shifted our masculinity or have we just given ourselves a lens to apply that strength in different ways, right? And so that's where the conversation for me comes up is like, if we're really talking about this, it's like, yes, we have to evolve. So you being fixed and saying that there's one certain way to be a dude Mm. and that if you're not that way, then you're not a man. Or if you're not that way, then you're just subservient to society and societal expectations. That's false, man. That obsolescence is showing itself in your view of how you talk to yourself when one else is a because you know conversation, but I guarantee you it's not very good. It's not very nice. And so for me, when I see this, I say that that version of men is what really holds them back because they're so resistant to a guy like you about how to have a better relationship, even though you are sitting there saying, listen, brother, I'm literally just trying to help you, man. I think I can give you some great tools. Here are my books, but they don't want to listen to you because they're like, no, I'm just, this is what a man's supposed to be, or I'm supposed to do me. Like, and so that's where I think guys Mm. are struggling a lot today. And I think that's where we can make some huge strides. I th- uh, that's huge. I, th- I think of like a, a military analogy. I mean, uh, a military that thinks, well, there's one way to do war and that's with big tanks and big guns. And, and they go into a, a country or a city where there's an insurgency situation and they're trying to fight with their big tanks. And I mean, Russia and yeah. Ukraine, you know, Russia yeah. wanting to, to fight a World War II battle against drones uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, precise artillery. And anyway, um, uh, it, it, and it, they're getting their asses handed to them and it, beyond what anyone thought would happen. And, and so I think, uh, I yeah. think, the, I think that's a very astute observation. And I think it plays in also, well, I'm curious what you think, cause you, one of your chapters in your book is, uh, titled the three horsemen of death, shame, yeah. guilt, and regret. And it immediately leaps out to me that the unchanging man, the man that says, I am who I am, that's just how it's going to be, is setting himself up for unending guilt, regret, Mm -hmm. shame, eventually, Mm -hmm. you know, if he allows himself to feel that, it's going to be there for most men. uh, Because 
And, they, and they'll never be able to clear that. Talk about that. The three horsemen of death, shame, guilt, and regret. Yeah, this is powerful. I, I was actually, I was talking to my wife about this um, the other day, and, and it was probably my favorite chapter to write in the book because it, it resonated so much with me. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll paint a little bit of a picture here and I'll paint like an easy one for most men. Every Most men can sit there and remember a time they drank too much mm-hmm. and they woke up in the morning <laughs> And said, and they were like, wow, how much dumb shit did I say last night? Or like, oh my God, did I really do that? Like, oh my God. But then, Uh, right. Like we we're like, we laugh about it too, but then we like sit there and we think about it and we're embarrassed inside. Yeah. And then not only are we embarrassed, all of a sudden that shame creeps in. Like that was like, Mm. wow. Like now this person Mm. sees me that way. Like, or all Mm -hmm. these people see me that way. Like, oh shit, man. Mm. Like that's not who I am. And then the guilt sets in. Like now I feel guilty. And Mm. then it's like, okay, well maybe I just won't see those people for a while and everybody will forget Mm. about it. Right. And then then, like we walk through this process. Now this is just on this like low scale of like, you know, a weekend party or something like that. Right. Um, But for me, when I was down in my lowest points and I was not recognizing the guy that I was, I was having too frequent of those mornings. And I was like, God damn, did I really say that shit? Like, wow, that's embarrassing. And then I would think about it over the week and I would feel those things that shame, guilt and regret. And then I would think about even past relationships. And most of us can relate there, like what we did, how we behaved all those things. And I started to think about, wow, we don't ever talk about it. Like I've never talked to a guy about that. And had I not gone on my self-development path, I would never have been open to having that conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I've talked to men about it now, but in the past I didn't. And so, so I was like, Oh crap. Like if we're not talking about it to your point, we're not clearing this stuff. We're not working through it and processing it and forgiving ourselves for what transpired and then not living in the past moments that we feel those feelings around. And so then I thought to the men who are older and I've seen, you know, as you probably have as well, a lot of older men have come before us. We've seen them on their deathbed and it's played out in a lot of movies, but every single one of them typically says they were like, well, I wish I would have right. That statement alone. And to me, that's the regret. Hmm. that's the, what we care. And so what we're saying, what I'm saying in there is like, you allow this shame and guilt to play a role in your life early on. And it plays a role pretty much through your whole life. And when the regret kicks in, typically is when you're all the way at the end of your life and you're thinking like, I should have, I Hmm. wish I would have. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of you guys, some guys have regret now. Maybe it's for like, oh, I wish I stayed with that person. I wish I kept mm. that job, whatever it was, mm. instead of seeing it for what it is, which is that was a season of your life. And there was a lot of lessons learned and it brought you to this point. And wherever you are right now, whether good or bad, there's something in your future that is going to benefit from that time. It wasn't meant to still be here, right? Instead of processing it that way, we sit in that. And so I know, I know for most men, they carry those three. Like those are the prevailing themes I've talked with men about. I've sat around fires with, I've talked with, you know, the men who have come before me, the Mm -hmm. the wiser elders. I've talked Mm -hmm. to them about that. It's what we all carry with us. And I want guys, if they can recognize it now, if they can recognize those three horsemen, and I say they're the three horsemen of death, because when you're all of them stem from one thing, the common theme, you're living in the past. 
And if you're living in the past, you're living in death because you can't change what has happened. And mm-hmm. so that's why I called them the three horsemen of death. Cause that's where you're living. And I don't want men to live there. Mm-hmm. I want them to see a future that could be better and to see a present moment that could be fulfilling, whether it's with whoever they're with in their life, their family, their job, their, their money, whatever it is, be in that present moment. Cause you can't change what's behind you. You can only be there and then you can look to the future on what you can gain out of that. Now I'm, I'm curious about this because one of the objections that comes up a lot, uh, I think, I think there's some, some shadow here, but I want to get your, your thoughts on it. A lot of men, particularly, again, we'll come back to intimate relationship. Cause that's, you know, again, that's tends to be my, my area of, of enjoy, enjoying focus. And a lot of men don't, they don't want to look at the past because it is full of pain. They've maybe done things mm-hmm. that were really hurtful and they want like their partners to just get over it. Or they're not looking at the past because again, it's too, it hurts too much. I think of, you know, men right. who have, who have, uh, had a, a friend, uh, this is an old story. I don't remember wh- where I heard this, but, uh, but a, f- a friend, his, his father, uh, well, his mother died and his father just took the approach of, well, let's just get over it. She's in the past. She doesn't exist yep. anymore. Let's just move on. Yep. Of course they weren't doing any grieving that, you know, and, 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 so what, what say you, what is a man in order to help, help me understand in order to move past shame, guilt, and regret and genuinely be in the present? How does a man, what does it, what role does that play? Yeah. And I agree with you with that. And I, and, and I address that in the book and that is mm-hmm. basically, you have to be willing to look at it and acknowledge it. You mm-hmm. have to see mm-hmm. it for what it was and yeah. acknowledge the feelings mm-hmm. that you have around mm-hmm. it and why you have those feelings around it. Yeah. You have to be able to process that information mm-hmm. so you can healthily say, okay, that's no longer affecting the way that I behave. It's right. no longer affecting the feelings that show up in my life. It's no longer a triggering moment for me. Right. Yeah. But what happens is when guys say those things, like they're saying to you that it hurts too much and all of those things, they're avoiding it. And that's yeah. where the byproduct of that is you just walk around with shame, guilt, and regret. You just walk right. around with it. Yeah. It's just not spoken out. It's just, you're carrying this around like a backpack. Mm-hmm. And so if you, you acknowledge this, give the emotions, give the feelings, give that moment, the respect it's due for whatever it was, whether, whether it was, you know, somebody passing away. I mean, I wear this bracelet on, on my wrist every day and it's two of my brothers that got killed overseas Mm. and it's a reminder, but we all, you know, had to go through and process this Mm -hmm. in our own ways. And I can look at that every day and not feel Mm -hmm. the pain of that. I can look at it and know that, it happened, why it happened, the feelings I had when it happened and process that and still have that reverence for those two men and live my life in a way that I wish they were still around to be able to live theirs. Right. Right. But that's what, that's what I think is the power. So when you don't want to run from this stuff. And I, like I said, I address that because you're absolutely correct. We have to look at it, even if it's painful, but through that pain comes that power. Yeah. Well, well I, I get chills thinking about that too, because what, what I see in that is, is your past becomes an integrated part of who you are today. It becomes not something to be ashamed of or to nope. bury out of guilt or, or to, to look away from because there's too much regret, but it actually becomes, you get to wear that bracelet. You get to honor the pain yeah. of the past. It, it, it informs who you are today. It doesn't, I, it doesn't, 
define who you are, but it informs who you are, how you show up. I, th- I think that's a really beautiful and, and essential uh, part of, of men coming into our wholeness that, 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 that we integrate our past by, by facing it, feeling the pain, as you said, feeling all that there is to be felt. I, I agree yeah. with you, man. This is where, where men, we, we, we short, we want a short circuit to, ah, just it's in the past. doesn't matter. It's not a thing yeah. anymore. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Yeah. You're, <laughs> it, still you're, you're, it still is because you're, you're either depressed or you're fucking simmering with rage. Because yeah. you haven't processed that stuff. So you, you don't feel like a, a vital and alive human. You just feel like someone, like you said, who's got a backpack and, and you're either pissed off about it or just shut down and depressed. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. it's so heavy. Yeah, mindlessly carrying it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, another chapter title that intrigued me. I didn't get to, to read into it yet, but um, Habits Are a Band-Aid. That's the title. What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I had my wife read it because uh, I, I had to be like, okay, babe, am I crazy? Are people going to think I'm like crazy? This is one of those things. I was like, man, is this going to be like blasted by people? Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I wrote this one to, to kind of be a little conflicting with the norm uh, of what people are experiencing now through Instagram influencers and everything else, right? Everybody's like habits, habits, habits. Mm-hmm. And even me, I teach, I teach on habits. I want yeah. people to have good habits. But for me and why I wrote that is because if we don't go back and look at why we're creating the habits, you're creating a band-aid. If you don't know why the wound mm. was there, mm. if you don't know why you're bleeding, and this is kind of what I, what I associate it to, if you don't know why you're bleeding and you just put a dressing on it, well, if it's a femoral bleed and you don't put a tourniquet to actually stop it, you're not actually going to stop the bleeding. You're just going to keep bleeding out. Right. And so for this, it's like, okay, if you're just going to put a bandaid on this and not understand why you're creating the habit, then you're actually never going to address the Mm -hmm. problem. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to resurface. It's going to come back up. It's going to get through the the bandage and you're going to see that blood coming out again. And so for me, I was like, cool. We need to frame this differently. I'm all about habits, 100%, but I need to know, and I mm. think everybody needs to know, why are you creating that? Mm. Is it because there was a lot of pain with a situation that happened? So you created a habit that either deflected from that pain, right? So like, or bear, or taught you to bury it, or did you actually address the pain and create a habit that puts you in a better space because you had a different trajectory? Like what was the, the purpose for this habit? Yeah. And so for me, um, I give some examples of that in the book and I, and I love to address it because I'm just like, for me, for instance, if I take like a low level habit, right. And the habit was, I would get home like many people and I would, I go to the gym, work out, I'd get back up to my apartment and then I would cook, I'd shower, cook dinner and and I'd sit on the couch and and watch um, TV for like 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. Right. And be like, okay, cool. Like I deserve this. This is what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. Like, this is how I was raised. Right. Like, this is cool. So I was like, Uh, all right, cool. So I had a, I had a habit that was built around uh, an old way of being raised. That's how I grew up, right? We, we would watch TV uh, in the evening. We'd watch, you know, Star Trek Next Generation with my mm-hmm. mom or Home Improvement mm-hmm. with my dad, right? Mm-hmm. Like one mm-hmm. of those. So, so we oh, would, we grew up that way. And, yeah. uh, and I was like, huh, well, if I look at that habit and it came from a lifestyle of mediocrity and average, mm-hmm. and I want something better in my life, mm-hmm. the why 
of that habit was that I don't want to live a life of average. I don't want to live a life that mimics my parents' lives. I don't want to have finances that mimic my parents' finances. So I was like, huh, my why was the the pain of that or the experience of that and to not desire that. So I knew the root of why I wanted to change the habit. And then I switched the habit. And then all I did was switch that habit was when I made dinner, I put on a podcast and listened to an educational podcast. Like uh, Sean Stevenson was who I went to first. Mm. And I would listen to the, the model health show and learn something about biohacking or overall health in general. And I started to actually see that I felt better the next morning. I started to see that I was more productive the next day. I started to actually experience new things coming into my life that were not normal. Mm -hmm. And so we could get very esoteric with that, but for simplistic purposes, we'll just say the fact that I saw changes coming from one tiny habit being changed. And I was able to sustain that habit because I knew where, why I was doing it. Yeah. And I want people to have that same understanding so the habit doesn't go away. So the habit doesn't subside back to the old programming. I want them to be able to sustain that. I look, I'm not going to blast it, Johnny. I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you a hundred percent, man. I, I think of as you were, uh, just as you were even just beginning to elucidate what you meant by that, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, one of my closest friends was, uh, um, an addict, uh, drugs and alcohol and got sober, I think damn near 20 years ago. But, but what he shared is I just traded, I just traded one addiction for another. I took up cigarettes right. and I just did that. I got addicted to cigarettes. And then I, yeah. then when I gave up cigarettes, I got a new habit, which was gambling. And when I, then I gave up that and I got, and, and, um, I think even in the, even in the transformational world, we can step into habits that I remember in my early days of, of, I, I did, I started, uh, um, experiencing ayahuasca doing ayahuasca ceremonies, mm -hmm. man, what am I 48? It was like damn near 20 years ago. And yeah. in, in Miami, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, today it's all the rage. And this was early days. I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I was kind of scared of it. Like I'd never heard of it. What is this? And, um, but I, I, even then I saw people that it became a crutch, like it became a thing that mm -hmm. they needed to do over and over and over and over be, and, and it seemed like they, they lost the plot in a way. Yeah. It's like, well, what for, what, what is this really serving anymore? Like, why, why are you like, and again, I could only see this in hindsight. Um, but I, I think that's really important is, um, is that getting underneath and understanding, well, how is this habit really serving me in the ways that I, that I, that I want to yeah. be served and to, to create the life that I'm to design the man that I'm wanting to yeah. design. Exactly. Johnny, Johnny, there's so much more in your book, just, just reading through the chapter titles. I mean, you dive into purpose, you dive into leadership and, yeah. and I think it's, I I'm, I'm excited for, for people to receive the book. When does it come out? It comes out May 16th. It'll be uh, officially published. We'll have some pre-orders available pretty soon. Um, so that'll be really good. Yeah. Are you doing an audio book? I am doing an audio book. We, we had some construction going on around the house recently, uh, so I wasn't able to record yet, yeah. but I'll be recording that pretty soon. Um, so we can release that uh, around the same time as the book or maybe shortly after. Great. Good. Because I know that that's gonna, I believe that'll help your sales a lot. That, that made a big difference yeah. for my book when I, when I put the audio book yeah. out, man, it was really important oh, cool. for a lot of people. 
Um, what a couple, couple final questions. What, who is this book for? Like what kind of man in a lazy way of saying it, what kind of man, I mean, what the <laughs> hell that mean by that? But you know, who, who does your book really appeal to? Who's this for? Um, I, I would, I personally wrote it from a place that was for the everyday guy from the guy who's turning wrenches. Like my dad was to the veteran, to the cop, to the, you know, grocery store worker, to the average dude to just see like, Hey, there's a different way to see this world, to have a different pers- perception. So I tried to I tried to capture that everyday man feel to it, um, mm-hmm. knowing that that was my upbringing. And mm-hmm. because if I could have had this book five or ten years ago, maybe that would have helped me a lot more. So yeah, it's kind of for that. And then I don't like. I, I was just talking about this. I hate when everybody said like your books actually are for women, right? Like guys, right? But then women can learn a lot. A hundred percent. Yeah, I even say that right. in my advertisement because women <laughs> think it's for men, and it's actually uh, women love yeah. it more than many men. And yours, and yours legit are right. But I hear yeah, other legit. people where they're yeah. like, like they're like, oh yeah, mine's for women too because they just want to sell it. And I'm like, okay, bro, not is it though? Uh-huh. Is it? And so. Uh-huh. um, I would say I I did allow my wife to read majority of the book and she uh, does agree that it, it was for, it's for women too. And I'll tell uh, why is because the fact of it gives kind of women a little bit of insight to men and to understand maybe their partners a little bit better, maybe the conversations that we're going through. Cause I gave honest conversations Mm -hmm. or honest experiences Mm -hmm that I know a lot of men are going through and allows them to see that. And I think that lends to them actually being able to support their partners a lot better, or at least give them a little bit of grace in understanding what they're dealing with. So I would say in that capacity, women can get a lot from it. Um, Mm -hmm. And not just to make sales, but honestly, because I Mm -hmm. want them to be able to support their men a lot better as well. Yeah. 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 And, and when, Let's say a, a a man gets through. He's he's gotten through your book. What do you what do you hope that man is then prepared or or has more capacity? Like what what do you hope he gets from the experience of your book? Well, if you listened to my uh, first chapter at the end, where it tells him to do the work after every chapter, mm-hmm. if he does that, what I hope. What I hope any man gets from this book is just a little bit more clarity on the intentional way of seeing how they want to be authentic in who they are and how they interact with this world. If they can just get a glimpse of that and say, okay, I feel a little better because I've did some of that work and I've, I've read this and it rings true to me. And they can start to move in that direction. If they can just get that from the book, I'm a happy mm-hmm. camper. Like that's, mm-hmm. if I can just open that door for them, I'm incredibly grateful. Yeah. Great. Beautiful, man. And uh, can people pre-order the book? Yeah. Yeah. The the pre-order will be available pretty soon. We're just about okay, ready great. to finalize the cover, but we can't unfortunately make that an active link until I give the thumbs up that the cover is good, as you know, or yeah. else they'll get the crappy cover. <laughs> so <laughs> You don't want the crappy cover, man. No, yeah, no, hold, no. Out, hold out for the good cover. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have pre-order pretty soon. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and hopefully very likely by the time this podcast comes out really in the next few weeks from our conversation, sure. y- your book launches officially May 16th. The pre-link is probably available if you're listening to this episode right now, or it will be shortly if it isn't already. 
And uh, Johnny, anything else? Where can people learn more about you? Is there other specific places you want them to get the book? Yeah. If you, if you go to the book, um, just go to design the man within.com, just the title of the book. Um, if it's depending on when this is released, if it's pre-order still, it'll be available there. And if it's on order still, you can order it straight from the website. Um, obviously it'll be for sale on all the interwebs of like mm-hmm. Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, uh, Amazon, everything. Um, if you guys do end up getting the book, I'm very grateful for that. And obviously appreciate any reviews you guys toss up as Brian mentioned, those are great to have for your books <laughs> and, uh, four and five star, you guys. please. Yeah, four and don't five be seven. the one star <laughs> person. Don't give be me, that person. Can I, just give me my 70% in the four <laughs> and five star. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, but if, uh, if anybody wants to go there, they can check that out, design the man within.com. And then obviously, um, yeah, the podcast, the art of masculinity, you've been on there, Brian, Mm -hmm. we've had a great conversation Mm -hmm. on there. Uh, uh, we're going to have you back on the show, which is going to be a lot of fun. And then, um, yeah, just checking me out in those places. So appreciate you, brother. Johnny, always a pleasure to drop in with you, man. Appreciate the wisdom and insight and experience that you bring and uh, many, Best wishes and good luck with book with uh, the book launch and everything that goes with it, man. I, I'm rooting for you. Appreciate you, brother. And I, I, tr- I truly know that that's genuine coming from you. So thank 100%, you. 100%, man. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to my friend, Johnny El Sasser. You can find Johnny at designthemanwithin.com. That's where you can find his book anyway. And of course, that link and any other re- additional resources will be in the show notes at my website, brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. And remember, if you'd like to experience empowering transformational coaching with me to help elevate your experience of intimate relationship, go to brianreeves.com slash EYR. It's brianreeves.com slash EYR and fill out the application on that page to get started on your relationship coaching journey with me. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach. Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired. <laughs>